The title we're going to put on this or something very close to this, if I've actually used this before, is When Victory Appears Lost. Okay, now when victory appears lost. And uh, the Lord was just taking me through example after example uh, in the Bible. And I think it's important that you see some of these. You might want to mark some of these phrases in your Bible. It's hard to do on a phone, I know. <laughs> Let's begin here. And it, this doesn't just apply to the current situation that we're in right now in, a, in the United States. You know, we've got an election that's still in turmoil and there's all kinds of stuff going on. But listen. I remember when the doctor came down the hallway and told Sue and I, you got six months to live. A victory appears lost. Isn't that right? I remember when they told me in um, 1996, you have an incurable heart disease. You'll have this the rest of your life. See, when victory appears lost. But see, Jesus doesn't believe in incurable anything. And, uh, he healed me in May of 1998, and I've been healed ever since, and I'll be healed the next time you see me. So it's not just in this current, don't, I mean, it, it does apply to the current situation we're in. But listen, you're going to see example after example. When victory appears lost, don't be moved by that. Now, we are going to have an interesting uh, visitor working with us today. Uh, you probably can't see him, but he is a time-traveling news reporter. And uh, he's going to be invisible to the people, but he's going to give us news reports uh, in these different situations. So I just, uh, you know, what we would today call the media, okay? We're going to have an invisible media reporter that every now and then will give a report. Y'all ready? (laughs) Let's go to Exodus 14. Hallelujah. And I didn't have, this has been a very busy time for me personally with my mom and I, I just thank God for the message. I didn't have time to prepare it like I normally would. Who cares? What matters is the Holy Ghost and us getting the message. Isn't that right? So Exodus 14, you're probably very familiar with this. Now, this is when uh, Israel, they've been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And God, through Moses, by signs and wonders and all the different plagues that have come on Come on, Egypt. Finally, Pharaoh's let them go. So they've left Egypt. They've left where they were. They're not really out of Egypt yet. They've come right up to the Red Sea. And behind them, Pharaoh changed his mind. And here comes the Egyptian army after a bunch of ragtag slaves that's been slaves for 400 years. Okay, not exactly a trained army. Now, the situation looks impossible. You're facing the Red Sea. You've got mountains on either side. You cannot run to the right or to the left. And behind you is coming the most powerful army at that time on the face of the earth, the Egyptian army. Suddenly the news reporter chimes in. All hope is lost. It's over. Yes, their God did do signs and wonders that got them this far, but... uh, No matter what it looked like then, it's over. All hope is lost. There's no chance of victory now. It's impossible. They've got the Red Sea in front of them, the most mightiest army on planet Earth coming up behind them. Mountains to the left, mountains to the right. All victory is lost. News reporter. But let's see what God says. 
speaking through Moses, verse 13, Exodus 14, 13. Now, Moses has been talking to God. Moses has not been watching the news. <laughs> and Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Church, say it with me. Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you. You're not going to find that on the media. But if you tune into God, by way, by way of the Holy Spirit, the Lord shall fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. In other words, shut up! Quit agreeing with the news. Quit agreeing with your emotions. Shut up! And then the Lord said unto Moses, See, here's, here's how God talks when it looks impossible. Wherefore you criest thou to me? <laughs> Speak unto the children of Israel. Now listen to this. Look what God says. You're standing there with the Red Sea in front of you. God, what do you say? You tell the children of Israel, go forward. I appreciate that one hallelujah. <laughs> he, Jesus does that all the time in the New Testament. You have a man with a withered hand. It's withered. It's, 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 it's not like the other hand. It's withered. I don't know exactly what it looked like, but Jesus tells him to do the impossible. Stretch forth thine hand. And he's, you know, if he's like us, he's looking at it going, I can't. Jesus does not believe in I can't. He does not believe in a Red Sea being impossible. He does not believe in an election being impossible either. Go forward! And the, that man with the withered head, he just made whatever effort he could. Whew. Then the miracle happened. Let's keep going. You liking this? I'm liking it. Oh, but this, verse 16, God's still telling him, lift up, lift thou up thy rod. Now, that rod is, that, that's Aaron's rod that God's been using all through this to do the miracles. What is that rod a type of, church? It's made out of wood. Get a clue. What's it a type of? It's the cross. There is no such thing as impossible on this side of the cross. You hear me? You declare the victory that was won for you at the cross. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how strong the army is. I don't care what the media says. Go forward and fear not, church. Hold fast your confession. Let's follow the instructions. Speak the end result. Do not concede. Do not speak against the confessions. Don't be murmuring and agreeing with any report except God's report. That's what he told us to do. And bless God, that's what I'm going to do. And I believe you are too. Hallelujah. That was one. I got six or seven of them on here. Hallelujah. Let's look at another one. Uh, let's look at uh, Samuel. Go to Judges 16. Uh, here, Judges 16. And we're going to start in verse 23. Now, 
To bring you up to speed, this is the story of Samson. You all know the story. He had supernatural strength from God. And it was supernatural strength. If he would have looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, they would have known where his strength was coming from. They said, oh, but he probably looked more like Wally Cox. For those of you that are old enough to remember Wally Cox, how about a 99-pound weakling, okay? He looked like that because they're going, how can this guy do what he does? You know, he, he just comes up and carries, just carries the gates off from the city, just goes off with it, you know. They're going, well, it was supernatural. But, you know, Samson was not exactly the model of holiness. He had this uh, girlfriend named Delilah. A girlfriend not married, of course. Anyway, not going to dwell there. Samson had problems. Those problems caused him to lose his anointing. And they even put he gouged his eyes out. He lost his anointing, lost his strength. And uh, for years, it was like that. They put him to work, working for them. Just pushing a grindstone with a, you know, like a donkey would to, you know, they, they put donkeys pushing those things around to grind corn and stuff. And they're, they've come now to make fun of him. So we're going to pick it up here in Judges 16 verse 23. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto who? Do y'all remember another story about Dagon? <laughs> Later on they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. Their temple, a the false temple with Dagon. They put the, put God, the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence brought it into that temple where Dagon was to come in the next morning. Dagon was on his face. <laughs> they lifted him back up, come in the next morning, Dagon was on his face again. Well, lifted him back up, come in the next morning, Dagon's head was broken off. <laughs> this is Dagon, their God. And they've come to rejoice, for they said, Our God, that's Dagon, hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Right about there. Oh, hang on. Now, when the people saw him, Samson, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of the country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass that their hearts were merry. And they said, let's call for Samson that he may make a sport. They're going to make fun of him. And they called for Samson out of the prison house. And they and he made them sport. And they set him between the pillars. Now let's stop right there. News reporter. <laughs> Static on the radio. It's over for Samson. He lost his anointing a long time ago, and now he just made a ridicule. His God was strong at his time, but Samson has blown it. There's no second chance for him. It's over. Samson might as well just play the fool because there's no, all hope of victory for Samson is gone. It's over. Dagon has won. Isn't that the kind of report you'd get from somebody who can only see in the natural? Remember those guys? They're doing what they're, they're telling you what they see in the natural. They have no clue what's going on in the spirit. So they're making fun of Samson. Verse 26 now. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me, that means allow me, that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, and that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women. And all of the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women. About 3,000 men and women. 
that beheld while Samson made sport. I don't know exactly what that means, but it's degrading. And Samson listened to the news report. No. Samson, right in the face of the news report, he called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee. Strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may at once, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, and of the one with his right hand, and of the one other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might. And the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Jesus accomplished more through his death than everything that he did through his life. And he is still doing it today. It is not over. Even the devil thought he won when Jesus died on the cross until three days later. (laughs) It was not over. I'm sure there was rejoicing in hell when they had the Son of God on that cross. I'm sure there was parties. If there, if there was such a thing as dancing in the streets wherever those devils live, I'm sure there was parties of all kind going on for about three days. And then it was all turned around. And what they thought was victory, what they thought was victory, was their own defeat. Hallelujah. News report would have been wrong on, on uh, Israel. News report was wrong on Samson. He, he accomplished more in that feat than all the rest of his life. Let's go to the next one. Go to Daniel chapter 3. Now, of course, this is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is really their slave names. I didn't look up their real names in Hebrew. But these were the names that were given to them once they were slaves of Nebuchadnezzar. And... Uh, you know the story. They were supposed, Nebuchadnezzar had to put up this big, you know, idol of himself and he wanted people to bow down and worship. And they refused to do it. And so we'll just pick it up here in verse 17. Uh, well, let's start in verse, uh, well, let's, verse 13, I'm sorry. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, whatever that is, the psaltery and the dulcimer and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, You shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God shall deliver you out of my hands? Boy, this is a direct challenge. Direct challenge. The golden idol he set up versus the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, 
In other words, if you cast us into the furnace, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. They didn't stop there. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Say it with me. My God is able. Is to deliver me. Out of every circumstance. And my God will. Deliver me. Out of every circumstance. Verse 18. But but if not. In other words if you throw us in. Our God is going to deliver us. He's able and he will. But if not. If you don't throw us in. Be it known unto thee O king. We will not. Serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Say it with me. We will not bow. We will not serve any other god. We will declare the truth of the word. No matter what comes against us. Our God is able and our God will deliver us. We will not bow. Hallelujah. Now that's what God's looking for. Now the, the point he really wanted me to bring out here is this. See, if you're in a situation like that, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what you want to happen is God to move before you're in the furnace. See, isn't that right? Before you're in the furnace. That's what we want. But in... Every one of these cases, that did not happen. They're in the furnace. So let's, let's keep going here. Verse 19. When they said that to him, we will not bow. We will not serve your gods. We're not going to worship the golden image which you set up. Man. Verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. You know that's talking about the devil now. That's a type in shadow. We, the devil's mad. We had a prophecy come recently through Bronx. The devils are limited in their knowledge, but they know something's up. They know revival is coming. They know it's too late. It is far too late. This thing's already been unleashed. They, They don't know the details, but they are furious. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That means he got mad and angry and you could see it in his face. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one Seven times more than it, than it want to be heated. In other words, seven times hotter than normal. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Now again, we, we would rather God step in before we go in there. Hello? <laughs> fiery furnace. Hello? We're not bowing over here. Hello? Isn't that right? Then these men were bound in their coats, their hose, hosen, whatever that is, and their hats, and their other garments. I think it's protection from the fire that they put everything on, you know. And they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. <laughs> News report. It's over. They made a good stand. These Hebrew children, they stood up for their God. They, 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 you got to give them credit for courage, but it was all for nothing. It's over now. News report. Shadrach. Headlines. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are dead. Well, how do you know that? They were cast into the fiery furnace. It's, it's over. Victory is lost. Warning to anybody else that would stand up for their God, you'll be next. Mm-hmm. Verse 22. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those mighty men, the most mighty men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Now they're bound. You get that? They're tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. <laughs> he was astonished. And rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men? Bound into the midst of the fire, and they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I see four men loose. The only thing the fire accomplished, it set them free. <laughs> They're not bound anymore. The only thing that the fire could touch was the thing that had them bound. <laughs> come on, come on. Stay here, feet. I want to take off myself. Isn't that good? I see four men and they're loose. They're not bound anymore. They're walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace. And he spake, and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God. Boy, he's changing his tune. <laughs> come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Mm. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Say it with me. I will not bow. Hell has no fire. That can hurt me. Hell's fire only sets me free. There's a fourth man with me. And he is the son of God. God, God. You got to remember though, it looked like it was over. They were in the furnace and that reporter would have said, it's over. They're dead. I'm sure the headlines would have come out. They're dead. Even the men that cast them in are dead. God has a different report. You better be listening to God's report. Be careful who you listen to. While we're in Daniel, come on over to 6. Let's talk about Daniel in the lion's den. That's on page 1227. <laughs> All right. Now, you know the story here. Same kind of thing. Daniel would not bow. He would not worship any other God. They told him, you got to quit worshiping your God. But he would go to the window three times a day 
where he could be seen bowing and worshiping his God, the God of Israel, right in defiance of the, quote, law. See, we believe in obeying the law of man. We're supposed to be good uh, examples. Law, you know, we're not lawbreakers. We're not murderers and thieves. But when God's law, when man's law is opposite to God's law, we got to obey God and not man. And that's exactly what Daniel did here. I don't care that the law of the land says abortion is legal. Abortion is sin. And abortion is murder. I don't care if the law of the land says same-sex marriages are legal. We got to stand up in the face of it and say it's an abomination in the sight of God. It is an abomination. Okay. In our generation. We, we've got, a, we've got a, a nation and a world to change with the gospel. See, changing the laws is only part of the victory. That's not, that's not, the re, that's not even the victory, really. Because you can change the laws and the people still want to do it and they'll find ways to do it. You've got to have revival. Only Jesus can change the hearts. Jesus can change the heart. So we've got to really contend for revival. Amen. All right. Back to the message. So Daniel, he would not worship any, he would not stop worshiping his God. That's really what he got in trouble for. Let's pick it up in Daniel 6, starting in verse 16. Okay. So then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king, now again, let's, let's, you would, I, I, we didn't read leading up to this, but if you're Daniel, and you're trusting in your God, your hope is God will intervene before you're cast into the den. <laughs> oh, God, can you hear the growling? <laughs> Here I am, Lord. Daniel, love you, God. <laughs> I worship you only, God. <laughs> you can come right now. <laughs> See, that's what we want a lot of times. We don't want to actually go into it. But until you go into it, there's still a hope of victory. But this message today is when victory appears lost. Because watch this. He showed, showed me things I had not seen before to, to this extent. So verse 16 again. The king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now, now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought. Now get this. A stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of the Lord's, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. I had never noticed that part before, as strong as it was this time. I mean, it's not only... This is not a pit that you can look into. Otherwise, they would have known Daniel survived. This is underground. This is a den. And they they put a big stone right over the mouth of it. Now, from Daniel's point of view, what that means is pitch black darkness. There is no light in that, unless an angel brought one. There is no light. I mean, does it get any darker than that? And you're in there with the lions. You talk about appearing like victory lost. And not only did they put the big stone, the king himself takes his signet ring and he... With wax, I'm sure they put a seal, and then the lords come and they add their seal, which means death to anyone that moves this stone. In other words, 
this, this sentence that we've decreed against Daniel, nobody can change it. Somebody could. Somebody could change this decree. Can you hear the reporter breaking in on the news? Daniel is dead. All hope of victory is gone. Daniel waged a good warfare. He publicly kept worshiping his God right in the face. When they told him, they told him what was going to happen. And Daniel just wouldn't make, he just wouldn't compromise. He just wouldn't make any sense. He just kept worshiping his God anyway. And look what it got him. And you better be careful what you worship or you'll be in the den next. Can't you just, you could see it, right? You better be careful who you're listening to. It would, it's over. I'm sure the headline, Daniel is dead. It's over. Mm -hmm. Verse 18. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, Able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angels and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. Not only was God able, God did. Verse 23. Then the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him. Why? 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 Because he believed in his God. Church, this is a time for us to be believers, for us to be standing. Watch your mouth. Don't let anything come out of your mouth contrary to the instructions we have received from the Lord. Do not speak against the confessions. Do not speak against the election. Do not speak against this church. Do not speak against anything. Say what God says. Speak the end result. Revival. It's too late. It's far too late. This revival has already been released from heaven and angels are at this moment receiving their assignments. Don't speak against that. Same God that delivered all of these out of, it looked like it was completely over. I can't imagine much worse than being in complete darkness surrounded by lions. Not a glimmer of light anywhere. And still, the God sends his angel and brings you out. Good Lord. We need some courage in the church today. Courage in the church. All right? Go to Jonah. Now, you all know the story of Jonah. And we're just going to look at a little bitty part of it here. I, I didn't study these out, by the way. I was just doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is making the confessions and prayer and taking care of my mama. I wrote all of this out in about ten minutes. The Lord, just, He just brought items. I had to look up the verses, but... The, uh, the, the, the thoughts and the, the examples, he just laid them out for me, just one after the other. He says, it's just the Bible's full of it. Full of these examples. So Jonah, let's start in chapter 1 and, uh, verse 17. Now, uh, 
before I even read it, let's recap a little. You you all know Jonah was a prophet. God gave him a very simple assignment. I mean, he was supposed to go to Nineveh and like a one-sentence message, yet 40 days, I think it was, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. That's close, okay? Real simple. This is not hard to understand, Jonah. You understand? Here's what I want you to do. Go deliver a one-sentence prophecy. (laughs) Jonah didn't want to. Jonah disobeyed the Lord. Nineveh was that away, and Jonah went that away. He got on the ship and went the opposite direction. A big storm comes. The ship is about to go under, and Jonah finally fesses up. He said, the reason you're having this big storm, it's me. I'm in rebellion against God. So merciful people that they were, what did they do? They threw him overboard. <laughs> you're the problem. You're out of here. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and into the water he goes. Okay, it's not good to run from God when he tells you to do something. But now notice, let's, let's look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. Now see, we normally say Jonah in the belly of the well because we think of the biggest fish, you know, that there is. But see, this is something that the Lord prepared. Because here we go again, news reporters. Oh, it's impossible for any human to survive three days in the belly of a whale. Unless it is a great fish that the Lord prepared. For all you know, there was a couch and a, and a, and a lamp and a carpet and a fire in the midst. Of, you know, you don't know what was in there. Then it's, look what it says. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. So this is not your normal fish, okay? This is not the normal whale. I, I don't think there was a fireplace. I'm, okay. I'm trying to make a point. The Lord prepared this fish so that he wouldn't die in there. But Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Three days. Three nights. Now, I don't know what the Lord did. There could have been an end table with a lamp on it in there for all I know. But I bet you in real life, again, like Daniel, it's pitch black dark. And you don't know which way that fish is going. You don't know if this is it for the rest of your life. All you know is, here's all you know. I have no excuses. God told me what to do. I chose to disobey God. I ran from God the other way. Sure enough, trouble came. About killed all the people around me. They threw me overboard. I deserve this. This is it. Headline, breaking in, news. Here comes our, our time travel news reporter, Jonah is dead. He disobeyed God. It's all over for Jonah. That's it for him. No hope for Jonah. If you ever miss God, if you ever disobey him, that's it. No hope for you. It's over. You're going to die in the bellies, uh, no, die in the, yeah, belly of a fish. <laughs> Chapter two, verse one. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God <laughs> out of the fish's belly. Say it with me. In my worst circumstance, right in the fish's belly, <laughs> the best thing I can do is pray to my God. Hallelujah. And he said, Jonah said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. He calls it hell. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. 
The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head, so it doesn't sound like it was real comfortable in that whale's belly, or fish's belly. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. He's talking in the sea. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Now just so you'll know, just like Jesus said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly, uh, in the, the fish's belly, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. All of this is types and shadows of Christ. That's not today's lesson. Verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, when all hope is lost, when there is no, nothing you can look at, and there is nothing around you that gives you any hope at all, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. Verse 8, you need to make a plaque of this and put it on your refrigerator, put it on your bathroom wall. Sue and I did this years ago. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. What are the lying vanities? They are the actual circumstances that he is in. If he is going to observe them, if he's going to observe it's dark, I'm in a fish's belly, I'm at the bottom of the sea. If he's going to focus on that, he's done for. And if you focus on that, if you, if you give your observation to the, here comes that news reporter again, Jonah is dead, it's all over. If you give your eye, if you observe that and focus on that, you're going to forsake your own mercy because God has a different plan for you. He had a different plan for Jonah. He just wanted Jonah to repent. Well, the church needs to repent of a lot of things. Thank, I still I thank God for the return that happened in Washington, D.C. And a lot of repentance went on and, and a lot of more repentance still needs to happen. But anyway, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. What did he do in the fish's belly? He rejoiced in the Lord with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. He starts worshiping God just like Paul and Silas at midnight in the prison when their backs were bleeding and it looked bad. They sang hymns and worshiped God so loud all the prisoners heard them. And an earthquake came and shook all the bars open and even the chains fell off their wrists. Glory to God. Verse 10, And the Lord spake unto the fish. The Lord will speak to your circumstances. When the Lord speaks to your circumstances, you get out of them. And it, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I heard one. Now, I don't know if this is true. This is pure speculation, but I just love the imagery. What if it really was a fish's belly and the digestive juices bleached him white? Just, you know, he looks like a ghost stepping out of there. And he walks into Nineveh. <laughs> Seaweed wrapped around his head. White ghost. Repent! <laughs> I believe. And you know, they did too. That whole city repented. <laughs> and the Lord spared Nineveh. Until a later date. And they finally did get. But listen. When victory seems lost. When 
All your circumstances, everything you can see looks wrong, looks bad, like there's no hope at all. Don't observe lying vanities. That is not what God said. Observe what God said. Pray to your God. Praise Him. Give thanks to Him. And God will speak to your circumstances. And you're going to come out on dry ground. Glory to God. Mm, I like it myself. All right. I, <laughs> We're not going to turn to all of these. I'm going to run out of time and I have a, one assignment to do. Let's think about just another one. Let's, remember Lazarus? Let's go to the New Testament. Remember Lazarus? Lazarus was so sick, it appeared like he was going to die. So his, they, his sisters sent runners after Jesus to find where he is and try and get him to come and heal Lazarus, which is, sounds perfectly reasonable. Now, there was a reason why Jesus could not come, and we're not going to teach on that today. Dave has taught us over and over again why. There was a reason why he could not come. But put yourself in Lazarus' shoes. You're a good friend of Jesus. I mean, they, they were close, Jesus and Lazarus. I'm thinking, Lazarus, now he's getting worse every day, getting worse every day. I know what I would be thinking. Jesus is going to come and heal me. Jesus is going to come and heal me. Jesus is going to come and heal me. And then you die. All hope is gone. Here comes a reporter. Lazarus is dead. Well, he was in this case. Lazarus is dead. He was believing in Jesus to heal him. But he died. Boy, you could... I, they would take great glee in that, you know, the reporters. All these people that believe in divine healing. Well, Lazarus believed too. He was close. He was really close to Jesus and he died. Mm-hmm. See, again, we always want deliverance before going into the furnace. We always want deliverance before going into the, the, uh, the lion's den. We always want deliverance before going into the fish's belly. <laughs> you know. Well, in this case, I'm sure Lazarus wanted deliverance before he died. But in this case, he died. But you've got to understand this. Even death is not a barrier to Jesus. Even death. Even death Jesus said, if you can believe, you will see the glory of God. I am the resurrection and the life. Glory to God. And we know he comes to that tomb. You talk about speaking to your circumstances. Here comes the son of God himself to a tomb that's already got the rock laid on it. He said, you roll that rock away. And then with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. This is good preaching I heard one time. You know why I had to say Lazarus? It was a graveyard. If he had just said, come forth, all of them would have... (laughs) However many is in there. So he had to say, Lazarus, (laughs) come forth. And here he come. And they've already got him wrapped like a mummy almost. He's hobbling out of there. Loose him and let him go. And that caused a semi-revival... The word spread about that to the point the Pharisees then wanted to kill Lazarus again. Jesus already raised him once. How many times you want him to raise him? But anyway. All right. Now two more. Two more. See, we love the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. Man, I read that book because it's not only now. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus mainly doing all of the miracles. We do read about he sent out the 12 and he sent out the 70 and they also did miracles. But it's the book of Acts where we really see 
the disciples and the apostles. And they just get within Peter's shadow. Just get within shadow length. And they'd get healed, all of them. Anybody you could get that close, they'd get healed. Uh, uh, the, the dead were raised. All kinds of miracles. And listen, in that first hundred years, Christianity spread like wildfire. And we love to talk about all of that. And that's revival. And, and we're going to have that again. But now listen, what we tend to forget is at that same time, during that same hundred years, Christians were being martyred by the thousands. They were thrown into the Colosseum with wild animals, tearing them apart. Some of them were dipped in pitch and set afire to be human torches to bring lighting to the stadium. Uh, uh, I've read reports of miles of that uh, Roman road. There's a name for it, but the Roman road. where What is it? The Appian Way. Miles of it with Crosses and Christians crucified for no other reason that they worshipped another king, King Jesus. See, we tend to forget about the persecution that went on right at the same time as the miracles. Listen, Christianity thrives in persecution. Now, I'd rather we thrive without it. But we're going to thrive with persecution or without persecution. It's time to toughen up. God has called in an army. How many times have we talked about Joel's army? Where that army? And it's time to rise up, have the same kind of courage as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't care what you say you're going to do. My God is able to deliver me, and my God will deliver me. One more. I'm going to finish with the Apostle Paul. Paul died younger than I am. He died at age 69. I'm 73. Paul died. He was beheaded in the Colosseum. Peter was crucified upside down in the cross, in the Colosseum. So I can just hear the headlines, but I, I know there was probably a party in, again, a party in the, the demonic realm the day that Paul was beheaded. Finally, this guy that we've been trying to stop all these years, you can read about the, the assignment against Paul. How, you know, that, that, uh, messenger of the Satan that was, an angel of Satan that was sent against him to stop him. Shipwrecks and perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, perils of this, perils of that. They did everything in the world trying to stop Paul. And the day he was beheaded, I bet there was a party in the demonic realm. And here's the thing. What they were trying to do was stop Paul from preaching. And for about 2,000 years, More people have been hearing the Apostle Paul by the millions that ever heard him while he was physically preaching. Nothing can stop the gospel. Nothing can stop revival. Nothing can stop what God has unleashed. What he's looking for is a people that will believe that and obey simple instructions. Now... Here's a few instructions that we've received through the prophecies that have come uh, of late. Speak the end result. Revival has been loosed. Say that. Revival has been loosed. Another instruction. Do not concede. Remember that. Do not speak against the confessions. Don't speak against the calling in the lost confessions. Don't speak against this church. 
do not speak against the revival. He has told us to pray and fast and worship and be in His Word instead of spending our time in front of the news. Now, now let's do that. Let's do what He told us. And one other thing, when He said hold fast to the confessions, bless God, we're going to hold fast to the confessions. So say after me, Father, I present myself to you as one who is willing to make up the hedge and stand in the gap before you on behalf of this election. I come against a spirit of confusion that would want to impact the way the votes are counted. I declare the spirit of confusion bound in Jesus' name. According to the power and authority given to me by God. In the name of Jesus. I speak to you spirit of confusion. And I command that you silence your tongue. And cease your actions. You will not have an impact on this election. I come against every principality. Power and ruler of darkness. And all spiritual wickedness. That would present a stronghold. Against the man God knows should be elected. I speak to you and I command you. Spirit of confusion, be cast out now in Jesus' name. Jesus has given to me the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Satan, you and all of your devils are bound. Concerning this nation and this election. None of your plans for interfering with this election will succeed. I call the Father's will to be accomplished. Jesus has completely and totally defeated you. And all of your principalities, powers and devils. He made an open show of you and triumphed over you for all eternity. He has given to me that same victory. I call you and everything about you and your devils completely and totally and thoroughly defeated in this election. Satan, you and your devils have lost. The victory of Christ is known in this election. They cannot think straight to carry out your plans. You speak against other devils and your house is divided. It cannot stand. It has come to an end. You are thoroughly and utterly defeated. You walk in blindness. Division has filled your camp. Lord, make your words in our mouth fire. 
And may the plans of the enemy be as wood, consumed and devoured by that fire. Set ambushments against all those who are trying to interfere with and alter the outcome of this election. May confusion fill their camps. As it did in the camps of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. May they devastate each other. May their plans and agendas collapse at their feet. Just as you revealed to Elijah the plans of the Syrian army, expose the plans of the ungodly who are trying to corrupt this election. Father, as heirs of salvation, we ask that angels be dispatched to assist these things to be done. Angels, go to your assignments as the Father directs. Enforce the victories we have spoken this day. Drive back the forces of evil. Father, we offer up prayer in the Spirit. And we ask that the Holy Spirit pray through us. That He prays Your perfect will concerning the outcome You desire for this election. Jesus, the government of Your kingdom rests upon You. Likewise, I say that the government of this nation rests on You. May the man the Father wants as our president be elected. May all the votes cast for Him be brought to light. Father, this battle is not ours. It is Yours. You are with us. God, we praise You and we worship You. For Your mercy endureth forever. We praise You for the beauty of Your holiness. And we praise You for our salvation. We exalt you and glorify you for the victory in this election. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and add this now. I'm not a prophet at all. He's never said anything about being a prophet, but I know what he showed me. Now, tomorrow is the 14th, and tomorrow is the day that it's scheduled that the electors will vote. Okay? And you're going to hear all kind of reports on the news that it's over. And when I, when I was thinking about that, I saw the king's seal on the rock that was laid over the den, in, uh, you know, the, the lion's den in Daniel's time. Here's the seal. It's over. That's it. And the Lord said, don't be moved by that. I'm going to still make the confessions no matter what happens tomorrow. Gary, how long are you going to make them? Till God says I can stop. Or till we see the victory. That's when I'll quit. And I don't care what the, I don't care. Our God, all, everything that we looked at tonight, all, go forward! Everything looked impossible. Go forward, God says. Declare the cross. Lift up the rod. God's gonna make a way for us. Hallelujah.